The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest episode of Star Trek Picard called Imposters. I'm Dom Bethanelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Well, that's what I want you to believe. <laughs> and Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. Are you really sure we're who we say we are? <laughs> I was going to make the same joke. And, uh, <laughs> folks, be sure to stick around to the end of the episode. We have a lot of great uh, feedback from you, our listeners, and uh, some really good stuff. And uh, remember to like the Secrets of Star Trek on our Facebook page, where we're at facebook.com slash Media. We're also on Twitter at SQPN, and you can leave us comments wherever you find us. We'd love to hear from you. And another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy is The Secrets of Star Wars, which is also have some new series that are out right now that's being discussed. And you can uh, listen to that at sqpn.com slash Star Wars or wherever fine podcasts are found. So uh, to get started, Jimmy, do you want to give us a recap? This week, the Rafi Musiker show comes back from its mid-season hiatus, and Rafi and Worf track down a Vulcan gangster who was involved in the raid on Daystrom Station. He makes them fight to the death, but they get the upper hand and force him to give them a device that he used to hack the Daystrom Station's AI security system to get into it. Meanwhile, on the Captain Picard show, Jack Crusher is having dreams or visions in which he coldly kills people. Beverly dissects the changeling that Seven killed last episode, and she discovers that changelings have evolved so that they stay solid even in death, they have internal organs, and they can even pass standard blood tests now. The starship Intrepid shows up to interrogate Picard and Riker about their recent actions, and Commander Ro Laren will be their interrogator. There are heavy reasons to suspect Ro of being a changeling, but it turns out that she's not. She's actually been running an investigation, and she's convinced that Starfleet has been infiltrated by changelings at all levels. She's also Worf's handler from Starfleet Intelligence, so we're gearing up for a crossover episode between the Rafi Musiker show and the Captain Picard show. Although Roe has been ordered to bring back Jack Crusher, she gives her underling, she's got two guards with her, uh, orders that they are to leave and go back to the Intrepid. And before she leaves, Roe gives Captain Picard her Bajoran earring. On the shuttle back to the Intrepid, her security officers are revealed to be changelings. They plant a bomb and beam out. Unable to beam out or disarm the bomb, uh, Roe calls Picard and tells him what's happening. She then pilots the shuttle towards one of the Intrepid's engines and severely damages it when the bomb explodes. After which, the Titan, back under command of Captain Shaw, warps out and runs. Meanwhile, Rose guards have beamed onto the Titan and taken new identities. They, plus two more changelings, try to take Jack into custody, but he opens the red door in his vision, becomes a ruthless killing machine, and slays all four changelings. Afterwards, he tells Beverly he thinks something is seriously wrong with him. Riker and Picard discover that Rose earring contains data files from her investigation, and they make contact with Worf. The end. So, uh, overall first impressions, uh, Father Corey, you got to. I enjoyed this one. I, I, I it was a, a little more plot development. It wasn't quite as much action, but it was it was very well done. It was great to see Roll and to see her character rehabilitated. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's that's one of the biggest things this episode does. Other than, again, advance the plot is to, re, you know, bring her character back and to, you know, to sh- to say what happened to her after the the Maquis fell and everything. Um, so I, I enjoyed that, uh, that interaction between her and, and especially Picard, you know, that, that connection that they've had going all the way back to TNG. So I, I really, I kind of enjoyed it. How about you, Jimmy, your overall impression? Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I've heard some people like Dave Cullen say this is their favorite episode of the series, that it's still good after this, but they really, really liked this one. And I liked it too. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, I was happy and surprised to see Roe. I exclaimed, 
that's Roe, you know, this the, whole, <laughs> the thing when she appeared on screen. It's Admiral Kane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it was a lot of fun to, to, to see her there and to see that interaction to kind of, it feels like the, the showrunners are kind of tying up loose ends as mm-hmm. Picard comes to an end, which is interesting. And um, I feel like we're really starting to dig into the, the mystery of Jack Crusher and what's going on with him. So I'm kind of curious to see where that goes. So uh, overall, uh, enough action for me, enough plot development, enough character development. Uh, I really enjoy this one. So uh, let's talk about Jack Crusher and the weirdness going on around him. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, we have this vision of him as this killing machine in a Starfleet uniform coming under the bridge and executing the crew and then the red branching, uh, whatever, uh, all over the place. And it it feels like I saw someone speculate, and I'm sure this is just speculation. It looks a lot like a Pa Wraith taking control, which would be hmm. an interesting yet another thing pulling in from DS9 along hmm. with the changelings. I would be skeptical of that, and I don't remember Pa Wraiths taking control with branches like this. Yeah. Um, I would be skeptical of that. The the big bads for this are the changelings, or at least so mm-hmm. far are the changelings, not the paw wraiths. Mm. Um, so Jack in this episode, after his we start instead of a flashback for once we start with something else, which is a vision that Jack is having or a dream that he's having. It, it's ambiguous what they are. I mean, they, they're not exactly communicative visions, but they're like dreams, except when he comes out of them, he's standing there not in bed. Um, Mm. But he, he has this vision where he kills the bridge crew and then he hears the voice that he's been hearing say, come home. And later um, it says, and it, 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 the, when the voice speaks again, it's Beverly's voice. Yes. And it even says Beverly in the closed captioning and and she says, find me, hear me, connect us. And and there's at the very end it, when he's talking to Beverly in sickbay um, and she's just revealed the truth about the changelings to him. And she's very concerned about how extraordinary he is. He's, it's, he's able to kill four. There's a moment where it feels like they're implying she's a changeling. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so I suspect that whatever's going on, um, this isn't the real Beverly and it may not even be the real Jack. I think there is a Jack, but um, it but I think whatever happened is with him in his past is more complex and he doesn't realize he's traveling with this woman. If it turns out that this Jack is a changeling, that would certainly explain the changeling's interest in him. Mm-hmm. Right. The the downside from a writing perspective is, depending on how you handle it, is it would also tend to undo the father son relationship that he's been building with Picard. So I don't right. know that they're going to go that way. A possibility is, and I've, I've seen this in something else, and I don't remember what it is, where the the real Jack, the real Beverly, may be mentally connected to yeah. the changelings, mm-hmm. and that's how they have all the knowledge that they would need to pass as them again another evolution of the changelings yeah that's essentially the same as the croton uh, not the crotons um the um uh the doctor who villains with all the suckers on them yeah the zygons the zygons yes um it i it it occurred to me that if they explain this in zygon terms to where he's he's like a body double that's telepathically linked to the original that would make a lot of sense. I don't know that they'll do that, but that occurred to me as one way of trying to save the father-son relationship from being too severely undermined by the revelation this isn't the real Jack. Right? And it would explain uh, why, you know, uh, Beverly hears Beverly's voice, come find me, and all of those aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah. That would- it, it, it also would um, would be reminiscent of the flesh version of Amy from yes. the season where she was pregnant. Right. From Doctor yes. Who. Yes, that's another one. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, and again, it would be more cha- more changeling evolution, which would be interesting. Well, and, and one thing I someone thought too is what if he's more like a hybrid where he's like a human changeling hybrid. And, and the only reason why I, I, 
I would give that any credence at all is, you know, we comment about I've commented about the uh, the closing credits where there are little Easter eggs where some of them they've paid off already. And a big part of the closing credits is showing DNA strands, DNA mm-hmm. coding and things like that, mm-hmm. which, you know, that could hint that there was some DNA manipulation that was going on um, where he's actually, like I said, a hybrid between human DNA and changeling DNA. And that would allow for the, the fact like when he went into his killing spree, his eyes changed. Right. His eyes changed red and then he started shooting. Right. And I think that, that was one of the things I think why, why someone thought it was Paw Wraith because there was like that. Yeah, like the exactly. Um, so, yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah. It could you know, be the, the changeling the, coming through, too. But, yeah. The Paw Wraith, I just always marvel at this. Uh, but for villains that possess people, the Paw Wraith have like the best episode ever <laughs> where <laughs> where they've possessed Keiko O'Brien. Mm-hmm. And yes. she's a paw wraith now, but she's otherwise she's totally like a normal human. <sighs> I mean, she's eating chocolates and she's like, Miles, you're not going to let me eat all of these, are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great. It's just, just so creepy. Pleasant. If you don't do what I want, I'm going to kill her. <laughs> yeah, <You know? laughs> super creepy. It was that was an excellent episode. So uh, once again, the producers or writers, you know, uh, uh, anticipating our objections. And so we have discussion of the protocols for detecting shapeshifters that Starfleet has standard protocol, just like Stargate mm-hmm. Command has <laughs> when yeah. people come through the gate. They now have standard <laughs> protocols for detecting uh, changelings here with uh, and that they discuss it. So that's good. Mm-hmm. I like that. And since you go through a bioscanner every time you're transported, the transporter officer could detect that you're a changeling. Mm -hmm. And that explains the fact from last episode that they pointed out that the changeling they found on the Titan had been had replaced the transporter officer. Right. So um, and that would also explain why Roe insists on taking a shuttle. If she knows mm-hmm. the changelings have been infiltrating transporter officer stations. Oh, sorry, Captain. There was a horrible transporter <laughs> accident just now. Yeah. I don't know how it happened. Right. Well, right. well, I also wonder because we find out that the changelings have been infiltrating Starfleet from all levels, from, en- you know, Ensign all the way up to the top. And. I wonder if the transporters are how the changelings, like you said, you know, oops, there's an accident, but actually this changeling just came in mm-hmm. as this person instead. Right. It could be. Yeah, mm-hmm. could be. Um, so before Rose shows up, I do. They have we have this scene where Riker hands command back to Shaw, uh, transfers command back to him. And Shaw, and just <laughs> in his wonderful way, doesn't let them off the hook at all. You know, it's like, all right, now that I'm back in control, you know, you're all going to face the music. <laughs> and it's like, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, actually, I've already called Starfleet and I'm going to leave the room now so you guys can get your BS story together. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was that was so good. That was so good. And and then later he's as they're waiting for the intrepid as the intrepid has arrived and they're waiting for Roe to come over, although they don't know it's Roe yet. Um, he's just standing between Riker and Picard humming and so sorry, just chipper, um, you <laughs> yeah. know, and uh, and and he's they're talking about good things they've done. Right. Hopefully um, they'll remember we've saved the galaxy a few times. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and and Shaw is his perspective on them is they actually have done a bunch of bad things, too. And so he's like, he names like three incidents that uh, could be regarded as bad, one of which and they're all famous incidents. But like one of them was the time paradox from the uh, the um, from all good things. Yeah. Which at the time only Picard was aware of. But apparently he made a report to Starfleet. And so it's commonly known now. Um, But Shaw says, you know, when it comes to rescues from danger, you two have a real chicken and egg thing happening. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, they, (laughs) yeah, they, they, you know, they mentioned that they mentioned the crashing the saucer section, which course was generations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there was snogging a villager on Baku. Oh, throwing, throwing, throwing the prime directive out the window so you could snog a vid, villager on Baku. Bar, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, so, and and I, do, I do love that aspect of Shaw where he just calls them. Like, it's so funny. Just calls them on it. Like the, our heroes are not heroes to everyone. And that would be the, mm-hmm. the reality of it. And yeah, that was great. Uh, so we have Roe showing up as the investigating officer. 
Um, Riker seems delighted. Picard mm-hmm. less so uh, for for those reasons. And just as a re- as a refresher, she left the Enterprise. She was sent undercover by Picard, and they kind of discuss a little bit. But sent undercover by Picard to infiltrate the Maquis, and ended up becoming a Maquis mm-hmm. and betraying Picard. And so, obviously, we we find out that was never resolved in the thirty plus years mm-hmm. since that happened. And that kind of thing can happen in intelligence work and in diplomatic work where you send someone into a situation and they go native. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that forms a big part of the resolution in this episode and, and a big part of them feeling each other out, which one is either of us mm-hmm. a changeling. And this is really nice because they have early on when they're implying that Roe is a changeling. Um, like she does the blood, she cuts her hand in front of Picard to say, let's get this out of the way. And she cuts her hand. And then Beverly sends Picard a text saying they can pass blood tests now. Don't trust anyone. And so having, you know, this is heavily implying she's, she is, or maybe a changeling. And then, um, she, you know, he says she wants to see the change in the prisoner. He says, it's not a prisoner. He was killed. And then she says, well, then I want to see the body, which is, you know, what a a changeling could very well want to do, mm-hmm. you know, given their concern for their own people. So he starts taking her down to sickbay. And on the way, she pulls a phaser on him and steers him into the holodeck right. because we built that 10 forward in Los Angeles set and we are going <laughs> to use it. <laughs> That's right. And um, and it, and they've already established we have no good way, I mean, without lots of equipment, we have no good technological way now of detecting a changeling. And Picard doesn't have any equipment. And so what they do to prove that um, to, to prove that this is really Roe to the viewer is she has a conversation with Picard mm-hmm. and and there's actually you also get things from her perspective she's not convinced this is Picard she thinks he may right. be a changeling mm-hmm. and so the way they prove to each other is by having a, a a very intense conversation about their different points of view and their mutual recriminations and their, their mutual resentments at one point um Picard says something to her in Bajoran, which they put a subtitle up on the screen. And she says, your Bajoran is improved. And he says, I've been rehearsing this conversation for 40, for 30 years. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, that's a nice line. Yes. Um, but as a result of, of this conversation, they push each other, both of them so much. I mean, she accuses Picard of, he accuses her of being rebellious and, and a, a traitor. traitor. Yeah. She she accuses him of being a controlling manipulator who only was mentoring her for his own ego. Um, you know, and they push each other so hard that it's clear they both really mean these feelings. <laughs> and that means they are their real feelings. And that means yeah. they are who they say they are. And so they use a non-technological means of showing us that these characters are not changelings, at least unless they're of the Jack Crusher kind. Right. Yeah. And, um... And at and Roe then reveals she's doing this investigation. Starfleet's been penetrated at all levels. And she says to Picard, do you trust me? And Picard thinks about it for a minute and says, yes. But that's a flaw in the writing because he shouldn't pivot quite that quickly. The correct line would be more than I did a minute ago. Yeah. There, there is a good uh, another good line she gets off on him when he accuses her of being a traitor and, you know, you betrayed Starfleet. And she tells him, you know, you've confused morality with duty and that is your dishonor. Like he told mm-hmm. her, like, your mm-hmm. betrayal is your dishonor. And she says, you've confused morality with duty and that is your dishonor. And I thought that was an, an interesting, subtle. There is a subtle distinction, like mm-hmm. just, you know, Picard, if he has a flaw, it might be that he too often Holds on to his, his duty, follows his yep. duty to the detriment of morality. And that's a that's a nice element to introduce into the story and perhaps an important element that will bear out through this uh, series, you know, the yeah. rest of the season. Well, and you know, one thing I like is, you know, Picard goes behind the bar looking like, oh, yeah, he's going to pour pour them drinks. But really, he reaches for the 
holodeck controls, which has to be right next to the phaser, yeah. hits the off button for the safety and pulls out the phaser. You know, and so of course this is intense conversation is at phaser point. But one thing I kind of got out of it, and kind of my feeling is they tried to imply that there was more to the relationship of Roe and Picard than just um, you know, mutual respect, that they're actually try kind of sort of budding romantic, although nothing actually mm-hmm. came of it. Mm. I kind of got that that implication mm. where it was you know that that the betrayal the betrayal to Picard of her joining the Maquis was more than just, you know, you betrayed your uniform. That that conversation between Cisco and uh um what's his name? The the Eddington, Eddington yeah. you know, where it was a betrayal uniform, that there was a little more there. Um and then part of that does come out there was wasn't there an episode, if I remember right, of TNG where it was a Picard and Roe in the uh shuttlecraft well, so there, there, that that happened in Rose Sendoff, yeah. where like Picard and Roe were in a shuttlecraft together, if I recall correctly. I didn't get a hint at romantic yeah. tension. What I got was, yeah, there is something more than you're betraying the uniform. It is a personal betrayal as well. He's yeah. feeling personally betrayed, but I took it on on a father daughter axis. Same here. That, okay. that he regards Rose as daughter. Yeah. Also, I was recently watching. The I've been recently doing a rewatch of TNG, and I've I've been seeing some of the row episodes. And actually, at least in the source material, the romantic chemistry is between Roe and Riker. Okay, and they're hinting. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's one episode where they all lose their memories, and they assume they're in love with each other, and then they get <laughs> their memories back. That's right. <laughs> I yeah. remember that. So okay, I mean, I mean, I, I could have read that in differently too, but I mean it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. one of those things that a lot of that is implied anyways. You know, yeah. what 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 is other than, the you know, the relationship of, you know, a senior captain mm-hmm. mentoring a junior ensign. Right. Um, and it, it is interesting that they did kind of bring her back to rehabilitate her character because, mm-hmm. you know, you look at some of the behind the scenes, Roe was being geared up to be the Kira character yeah. on DS9. Right. She was the Ro original was Kira. Actually, yeah. She was going to go from the Enterprise to DS9 when they did that and to be and to be the to, i don't know I, I would guess leave starfleet and go with the bajoran police yeah bajoran military right. instead you know uh actually there's a little detail some people online were saying that the earring that mm-hmm. uh, rose earring was not rose earring from tng but was actually yeah. kira's earring from ds9 which i mm. don't know if that was intentional or just hey we need a design just grab this off the shelf um so mm. I, and I don't even know if that's if uh, that's true or not but I was glad to see her back. So we had been told by some early reviewers that there was a kind of jaw-dropping moment about someone was coming back who had not been talked about in publicity. Mm-hmm. So we've now obviously hit that. That mm-hmm. that was Roe. Yep. Um, I'm 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 glad they rehabilitated the character. I loved her role in this episode. I'm just unhappy they killed her off. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, well, of course, there's no body, so last minute beam out. Um, right. But uh, but I, you know, they did such a good job with her character, and I know this the send off is a fitting one. I mean, they have to box her in. We have to have technological blocking and failures in order to set up her death. Oh, we can't beam the bomb out. We can't beam her out. You know, so yep. forth. Um, and not at this distance. So she's got to get closer. And then she turns around and slams into the engine. Um, you know, it's it's a worthy death. Uh, mm-hmm. So I appreciate it and I can accept it, but kind of wish they didn't. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, because she's such an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and then we get another death fake out in the same episode. But we'll get to that in a second, because uh, mm-hmm. yeah. before we leave the Titan, I, there's a couple of things I want to talk about there, which is um, I there was a moment in Beverly's autopsy of the changeling mm-hmm. of that looked like Sydney, where she turns oh, yeah. to Sydney and goes, Vincent, please indicate this corpse is not you. <laughs> and she throws <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yes, that corpse is not me because I'm here speaking to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Able to indicate. <laughs> it's, it, that's a great sequence because she says, Ensign LaForge, please, can, can you confirm this is not you? <laughs> and LaForge throws up. <laughs> and, and she says, she, for the record, she says, Ensign LaForge indicated it is not her. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was uh, I like that moment. Um, we also get um, 
the so speaking of Rafi and Worf, uh, going back to them, it turns out that uh, their handler is Ro. So she's the one. So mm-hmm. Worf was uh, Rafi's handler and Ro was Worf's handler. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have several levels of remove here. Um, I I have to go back and change something I've been saying all along, which I have assumed all along that the Daystrom break in was at the Daystrom Institute, which we saw no, no. in no. previous seasons. But it's this space station, the Daystrom facility or something. Um, Daystrom station, they call it. Yeah. Okay. And uh, hopefully it's not also where they store the homicidal a- AIs that's, from Lower Decks. Yeah, that's, that's what I make a little <laughs> maniacal. Yeah. Well, you know, storage. We, we will be seeing uh, Moriarty, though, and we'll be seeing him in a context of the Daystrom set. And so it's going to mm-hmm. turn out Moriarty is the AI. I I I said the That's, same thing. Yeah, that it, this at this daystream station they've been storing forbidden tech and stuff like that. So if you want an AI security system, who better than the arch villain Moriarty to guard your yeah. stuff? Or hear me out. At the end, when Crin has that little thumb drive mm, with the that tool could be. that that he used to break through the unbreakable cipher, mm-hmm. and that could be Moriarty, which. The, it that could be Moriarty. Could be the AI yeah. cracker too. That yeah. would be interesting. But I'm, I'll bet he's the AI. Yeah, that could be. It could be. Um, now, could the AI? Could the AI be Lore? I think. Well, hypothetically, because he is AI. Um, yeah, I mean, because the AI AI doesn't necessarily have to be a computer program. Right. No. It, it, hypothetically, it could be Lore. My guess, though, is that Lore is what was stolen. Uh, by the changelings as right. the even bigger weapon than the portal gun. Or is it the Jeffrey Weyoun AI from Lower Decks? <laughs> Just kidding, but that, yeah. would, that would be awesome. Agamus. Uh, yeah, yeah Agamus. I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> would be I, don't think I think that's stretchy. As, that as much would, as I, I, I did write down, well, we see, you see the self-aware megalomaniacal <laughs> computer storage. No, we won't. No, we but, won't. We won't. Um, Oh, you know, one thing I didn't mention, I wanted I wanted to when we we're talking about Roe is uh, Riker notices a Roe isn't wearing her earring and mm-hmm. asked her if she's lost her Bajoran faith. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was interesting that we bring in that faith. And it turns out, well, apparently it's not it's because she was using the earring as a device to pass information to Picard, yeah. not mm-hmm. necessarily because she lost her faith. But it's, it's interesting. It's an R- it RFID flash flash drive is what it really is. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, so, uh, back to, uh, the Worf and Rafi show, they, they come up with this idea to find, uh, Sneed's, uh, partner, partner, yeah, partner in crime to lure him out. Um, they go back down into the, the Metallus seven, uh, or whatever the number is, uh, mm-hmm. uh, under underworld. They are now the alphas, as they say, you know, and whereas Worf says, yeah. And but then Worf says uh, what we'll wait for is for the the ecology to reassert itself. In other words, you know, uh, Kryn's going to show up is is what he's uh, um, mm-hmm. anticipating. And Kryn turns out to be a Vulcan crime lord, which mm-hmm. is an mm-hmm. interesting idea. You know, and he's s- got a logical reason for it, too. He justifies his criminality in terms of logic. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting considering uh, what we saw in Strange New Worlds with the, you know, the whole pursuing Vulcan criminals in that one. And that's what. Uh, to, yeah. To not. Oh, to Pring. To Pring. Yes. It was, it was a to something. Uh, that's her job was, you know, re- rehabilitating Vulcan criminals. So he's a Vulcan well, crime lord. Well, and he grew up on this world, so he didn't grow up on Vulcan. And that's how he was friends with the, the Fringi and, and many others. Right. Is it kind of washed out for each other in this rough you know, basically slum street urchin. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. They consider him a brother. He said, he's got these green facial tattoos under one eye, which are pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was Romulan at first. That was an, Mm -hmm. that was my first uh, uh, hint, but um, then he did have the, the, the Vulcan's circle and yeah. 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 But as like a bling, he's wearing it like it's, yeah. (laughs) Like Flava Flav. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, and by, by the way, one thing about this, we are the alphas now. Yeah. Okay, this whole alpha thing is scientifically really problematic because <laughs> if you if you actually study wolf packs in the wild where they live, they ain't got alphas. They're they're much more cooperative. Alphas are an emergent phenomenon that happens if you cram too many wolves into a cage. And so alphas don't really 
exist that way in the wild. Yep. Yeah, it was I, understanding the wolf packs in the wild are like it's the father, the the male patriarch of the pack, well, basically, right? It was it was more of a, a development um, as part of a study mm-hmm. that you don't like. Like Jimmy said, you don't see in the wild. I actually just recently saw that as well as with dogs. You know, mm-hmm. this idea of you need to be the alpha male for your dog. No, yeah. no, you need to be part of the pack, but le- help the dog learn his place, his or her place in the pack. Gotcha. Gotcha. So um, Worf and Rafi are, well, first they set up this situation where they're going to try to get the drop on Sneed. They're like where they think that they've got, um, not Sneed, uh, Kryn, where they, they think they've got Rafi and Worf at gunpoint, phaser point. Um, and it turns out, They've got a mobile emitter on a hologram of Rafi. So it looks like that the mm-hmm. the doctor's mobile emitter from Voyager is now in wider use anyway, if not common, but wider use, certainly. Um, and Kryn says, oh, well, you think I wouldn't recognize a mobile emitter when I see one? So um, yeah. common enough that people can recognize it. And uh, and so she gets caught in her sniper position. Then um, and he's going to make them fight. And you know, Rafi apparently kills Worf. And like I was saying before, we've already had the death of a major character. I just, I didn't feel like we're not going to kill off Worf right after we've killed off Roe. So it kind of sucked a little bit of the drama out. Especially not in this way. Worf is not going to be dead. Right. He's not going to be killed by an ally. And this is the, this is the, you know, he can, you know, through mental concentration can control his, pulse rate to almost nothing the meditation you know, less yeah yeah, yeah and it's just the k-less technique of heartbeat regulation and that's interesting yeah um you know the way this happens kren forces them he says okay you're you two are going to fight to the death now and if you don't in 60 seconds i'll kill you both and so this is a genuine force um exactly why he's doing this he just seems to be being cruel he says his Mm -hmm. gang has bets on who's going to win um most are favoring the klingon because of course you do (laughs) yeah Um, as you would yeah but uh and she does stab Worf, and it looks like he's dead but then he's learned this meditation technique to lower his heartbeat so he now really nah if they did a scan of him, it would show he's still alive. Right. But uh, but I can accept it. It's 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 fun enough. I you know, I tend to not be a fan of fights to the death, um, but, you know, whatever. He's only mostly dead. Yeah. <laughs> what have you got to live for? <laughs> it, it was it was so great, though, that, you know, he he comes back out of this and kills all the henchmen. Yes. And then he's standing there with the knife at at. Uh, at the uh, the Crin. leader's throat, yeah. mm-hmm. Crin's throat, and it's like, can we hurry up? I really am bleeding to death here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am in urgent need of medical attention. And yeah. I love it when that dawns on him. It's like, yeah, sudden, it's quite like a bit of blood. Yeah, and and um, Crin is like, you guys aren't going to hurt me. You're Starfleet, and she's like, my friend is in urgent need of medical attention. How much patience do you think we have? Yeah. <laughs> You know, I I need to correct myself because, you know what, Rose's death occurs after this. So, in fact, right. So, in fact, it didn't we we had a major character death and it was this was the fake out as opposed to the, uh, you know, the the real one, which was Rose. So I I would see them doing that as a way of in case it leaked that a major character dies in this episode that we would think Mm -hmm. it was the wharf death, quote Mm -hmm. unquote. Um, So I I could see them doing that. Uh, So and. We that's when they get the 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 thumb drive from Crin with whatever the cracking mechanism, the Moriarty program, maybe. Um, and I like I like the way they do that. They're like, you will give us this thing now. And he's like, that would be logical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, after all, he's a Vulcan. And uh, so that then we this is when we switch back to the Titan in Jeopardy. Roe dies. Uh, Roe has removed almost all of the Titans crew except for a skeleton mm-hmm. crew that she left mm-hmm. behind on purpose because she wants the, the Titan to run. And by removing most of the Titans crew, she's lowered the odds that any of the remaining ones are changelings. So right. she's also reduced casualties too, maybe mm-hmm. right. That too. And uh, although they're all on the, the, uh, the, the, uh, not the Odyssey, the intrepid, the intrepid. Which, yeah. Intrepid. Uh, so, 
Yeah. Dangerous. Uh, the Intrepid is actually the same class as the new Enterprise F, apparently. So it's like that's what if, if we ever see the new Enterprise mm. F, that's what it will look like. Is that no, I wasn't a fan of the Intrepid's design and I'm not a big ship design guy. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. It's interesting. Um, and then, you know, they they have run. They convinced Shaw to run. He's like he's dithering. He's he takes some convincing. Mm-hmm. But until they finally go, they're getting ready to frame you for this, mm-hmm. uh, for yeah. what Roe did. So you should probably run. And so he's got no choice. He's in a corner. Um, well, not, and, not just frame you, but start firing on you. Right. Because mm-hmm. photon torpedoes are powered up and coming our way. Which is because, what they do. Yeah. Because they need to kill you in order to successfully frame you. So you can't exactly. tell your side of the story. Exactly. Uh, meanwhile, Jack is confronted by these four changelings who look like security officers and does the the switchover thing. Like you mentioned, Jimmy, the the red branches take over. He goes through the red door, however you want to put it. There's in fact a he sees a physical red wooden door in the in the corridor of the ship there, which is interesting. And wonder if it's a representation of the actual red door that he's going to eventually go through, or it's purely symbolic. I'm kind of curious, but he pretty handily kills them. Go ahead. Well, you put the red door and on either side of it are windows with the Starfleet logo on it. Okay. It like the whole back wall changes. Yeah. Because it was a turbo lift before. Right. Yeah. So, and, and that's, and then, you know, then we have uh, the, the reveal that, that Roe handed off her, all of her investigation files to Picard and Riker and they see Worf on the screen. I love that surprise. Like, like on both of the parts, like I'm Worf's expecting Rove. They're not expecting Worf. And it's like, Oh, it's you. No, it's you. And it's it's kind of a funny little (laughs) moment there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great to it's wonderful to see you, but uh where's Commander Rowe? <laughs> yeah. Uh bad news, dude. <laughs> right, right. So and then that's where we, you know, we we end the episode. So um anything I missed or any final thoughts, Father Corey? Nothing here. Jimmy? So the the what they reveal about the new physicality of changelings in this episode could help explain why Vadic cut off her hand. Mm-hmm. In in the last true, episode, yeah. um, a little bit anyway, because they are they're somehow less malleable mm. than they used to be. It makes them better at passing tests, but they're uh, actually this is this is conceptually. I mean, if they have to revert to a bucket of goo for eight hours a day, why do they stay solid on death? Um, it doesn't yeah. really make a lot of sense. Also, this is not how evolution works. Um, evolution takes place much, much, much more slowly than in the last 15 years because you're adapting to changed circumstance. And so organisms have to repeatedly interact with the new circumstance and those who show greater survival and reproduction potential under the new circumstances end up acquiring new characteristics or adapted characteristics. And we haven't seen enough changelings interacting with enough humans in a way that they need to be able to pass better. If anything, this would be genetic engineering rather than evolution. That's what I was thinking. I think it's more figurative than literal. Yeah. And see, this this is where I was talking about that, that idea that Jack might actually be a hybrid changeling Mm -hmm. human, but Mm -hmm. he might be the most successful of them where he doesn't have to revert uh, oh and also shades of uh discovery and uh what's his face the klingon human changeling there so to speak it, it, not, it's not the same thing but it, 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 it that's mm. actually just reminded me of that um what's his name the one the the uh the klingon who looked like the uh love interest of oh the whoever yeah. he got yeah the one uh oh, you mean Vok? Vok, yes. Ash Tyler Volk. Vok, yeah. Tyler Volk, yeah. That, it's kind of, that kind of reminds me of that, that whole idea of the hybrid uh, and the, the switchover. Yeah. All right. Anything else, Jimmy? Was that in... No, I would suspect that Jack is, I mean, he is really the son of Picard and Beverly through natural means. He may have had genetic engineering later, though. Ooh, good point. Maybe he's a human who's had changeling DNA inserted. That would be an mm-hmm. interesting uh, thing. That would be good. Or interesting, anyway. All right, so that's it for our discussion of the imposters. Uh, let's 
get to our listener feedback on our last episode, No Win Scenario, where uh, the first feedback comes from Rob Cox on Facebook, who writes, This episode was truly amazing. The stakes were small, just the ship and the crew. Maybe not small to them, but not the Doctor Who, the whole universe will be destroyed stakes. Yeah. (laughs) Captain Shaw has become one of the best Star Trek characters I've watched in a long time. So far, this show has repaired what happened the last two seasons. I agree. What, what last two seasons? <laughs> well, there, there was a there was a show previously that had had you know John John Luke Picard had had Patrick Stewart, but now now we get real Star Trek Picard. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think Shaw is definitely the breakout character this season. He's definitely. he's yep. he's people just seem to a, a large number of people just seem to love him because of. Uh, of how I mean how great he is he he doesn't take Picard and Riker seriously <laughs> yep. he needles them and he has and he has this really compelling tragic backstory that justifies his approach to them yeah in some ways uh I felt like Rios was the the breakout character mm-hmm. last season and before in the first season the first two seasons mm-hmm. and uh and then we lost him uh and mm-hmm. so now we have uh Shaw but yeah I, I, th- those two characters are probably the, my favorites from Picard that's for sure yeah and he he doesn't take their crap he just kind of like no we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna go there we're not gonna do that and you know and we you know all three of us have said it you know he's a jerk but he's but right, he's right. <laughs> exactly <laughs> we might make a shirt that says that he's a jerk but he's he may be a jerk but he's right I, I also, though, I like I really like in terms of characters in new who are new to Picard from previous seasons. I really like Rafi mm-hmm. and, I, and I liked Agnes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. It's, I'm kind of sad that we didn't follow up on the Borg mm-hmm. storyline, but who knows, you know, a, a future series or something may pick that back up again. So our next feedback comes from NTNG13 on YouTube, who writes, just because it's the first time we see Sydney Collar 7 on screen doesn't mean it's the first time it happens. If 7 tells Captain Shaw that Sydney does it out of respect and even uses it as a clue to find the changeling, then it implies that it's something she does habitually. Well, that's a generous Fair. reading. I, I, It's not impossible, but my reaction is based on what they've shown to us as viewers. And yeah. showing it once is a is a slender read before you Commander Hansen right there in front of the captain who insists on her being called that. Blam, you're dead. You know, yeah. that, that, I would want more justification than that before I shoot someone. <laughs> right. And, and that, that scene where, where she calls her Commander Seven at her quarters. It, that seemed more like of a tip off that I'm on your side than yeah. it did a, that it a did regular a, habit. Right. We'd have so to this, this was, more this was a, Yeah. This was a tell not show thing. Yep. They they told us they didn't show it to us. So. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's still plausible, still highly plausible and, and very likely. But yeah. uh, Eric writes via email. I noticed that the knife Vodic uses to cut off her hand is the same knife that Shinzon and Star Trek Nemesis had. Could this be a tie into the Romulans? There's been speculation of a return of Denise Crosby, so could this be a little foreshadow of that? The Star Trek Nemesis plot involved a clone of Picard. Jack is having these hallucinations. What if he's somehow a sleeper Romulan agent? What if this could pretend the return of Selah or somehow even Tasha Yar herself? It's getting interesting for sure. I never liked the character Selah, so I would be happy for Selah not to return. I would love for Denise Crosby to return, but I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, this was fan speculation very early on because there were word uh, there was apparently word that there were going to be additional people who hadn't been announced, and fans immediately leapt to Denise Crosby, and the showrunners really tried to cool that down and say yeah. it's not her. Uh, they could be lying, but unless they're lying, I, I don't think it's going to be Denise Crosby. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't see the Romulans coming into this. We're, we're halfway through the season now. And other than this, this knife, which could have been literally, they just use the same prop. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be just that simple or a similar looking prop. Um, and, you know, the, the, the fact of, you know, a person returning. Well, obviously, we just had that. We've got, you know, with, with, with Roe coming back, that could be the person was rumored, but people thought it might have been Denise Crosby instead. Yeah. Also, the uh, oh, and I if I recall correctly, there may have even been word that it was a female who was returning and people immediately thought Denise Crosby instead of mm-hmm. Roe Laren. Right. Um, the. Um, 
also in terms of Romulans, they were the big bads in season one. Right. And mm-hmm. so I would suspect, and it really looks like that it's the changelings this time rather than the Romulans. I wouldn't rule out other people coming back from TNG since this is the last season of Picard. Right. And they want to kind Mm of, you know, pull in all the loose threads. I wouldn't rule out seeing anyone. I think more like the most likely one we're going to see is Wesley again. Uh, He was in season two. He is Jack's brother and Beverly's son. I mean, it's if any, and he was a regular. I mean, if anyone's going to come back, it'll be uh, Wesley. Well, in, and isn't LeVar Burton confirmed to be in oh, this? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He Everybody is We just haven't seen him yet. Yeah. yeah. It, it's beyond the bridge crew is what Dom means. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Wesley could be logical, but I suspect that, I mean, I suspect it, we, we won't see him. If we do, it'll probably be right at the very end. That's possible. Yeah. Uh, and then... Chris S. writes via email, I find it fascinating that Riker's crisis is his belief that there is nothing after death, something that was brought home to him after the tragic death of his son. It's fascinating because Riker lives in Gene Roddenberry's atheist future, a place where Jameson Whiskey has survived the centuries, but organized religion has not. Plus, left hand milks out. (laughs) We'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) The implication is that Riker hoped to find something more that he searched for and was open to it as an explorer in space for all those years leading up to his son's death. And that death closed the door on his hope. All of this at odds with how Roddenberry created the TNG characters in universe. A Roddenberry character never would have hoped for or searched for any kind of deeper meaning in the first place. Star Trek five, notwithstanding. And so the death of his son, while tragic, should not have had that deeper effect on Riker unless he didn't completely buy into the atheism of his times to begin with. Don't get me wrong. I love that the writers of this season of Picard chose to make Riker's existential spiritual crisis a focus rather than the ineffectual left wing heavy handed preaching of season two. Of course, the resolution to the crisis should be. Picard channeling Jimmy Akin and rationally outlining the proofs for the existence of a God and an afterlife using reason. Instead, we get let's face the end together, which is as close as secular Hollywood can come. But I'll take it. I enjoyed it. On a personal note, even as a cradle Catholic, I can relate to some similar feelings after the deaths of my parents. It's normal and it's part of the human condition. I also love the inadvertent pro-life themes running through the show this season, from Riker's comment in episode three that you picked up on, Dom, to the whole notion of the nebula giving birth and the beauty of that new life. I'm sure the cast would never acknowledge or agree with it being pro-life in any sense, but those themes are there whether they want to admit it or not. So your comment, Dom, had been about Riker's referring to his unborn child. Yes, you mentioned it as unborn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... Certainly, Gene Roddenberry, I mean, probably wouldn't be on board with this. He probably, with Riker's journey in this way, he probably wouldn't be on board with a lot of things, although he might be. But he really had this idea that even though, you know, grief and loss and so forth are part of our human experience today, that by the 24th century, people would have overcome their fear of death. And so, yeah, they'd still be a little sad when someone dies, but um, they wouldn't they wouldn't have the kind of existential crisis that Riker does. And so that is mm-hmm. inconsistent with Roddenberry's vision, although Roddenberry could be very inconsistent himself. Um, there was actually an episode of The Next Gen where I think Roddenberry was dead at this point, but, you know, there were there were still debates about how much of his vision of perfected humanity in the future should still be honored. Um, And they had this episode, I forget the title of it, but it's the one where it focuses on a little boy whose parents have died on an away mission. Oh, right. And 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 originally it was going to be about the human drama of this little boy having lost his parents and what that would be like. And there was a huge fight on the writing staff about the direction of the episode because the producers were like, this is not Gene Roddenberry's vision of how we handle death. And the writers were like, we can't be completely unrealistic. This is a little boy. And they eventually said, "Okay, maybe we can take Roddenberry's dictum that this kid is not reacting the way his culture expects him to and make that the drama. 
And so they were able to figure out a way to sort of use Roddenberry's dictum against itself. But it would have. But yeah, Riker's existential journey um, in this regarding the death of his son is contrary to Roddenberry's perfected vision of humanity and I perfected in quotes because it's not perfect mm. if you don't grieve the death of no. a loved one. Um, but uh, on the other hand, Roddenberry might have been okay with the ending because it's ultimately Riker goes to a delivery room and his existential crisis is solved. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then the last comment comes from a, Jeff Hecker uh, of the Secrets of Middle Earth panel, uh, who wrote in on our Discord, said, I finally listened to your latest podcast. My craft beer geekiness compels me to mention that milk stouts or other beers with lactose actually are made with lactose milk sugar, not lactic acid. A local brewer makes amazing sours with lactose, and I really enjoy milk stouts as well. Milkshake IPA is also a style with lactose. Yes, I I, I misspoke last time where I, I said uh, lactic acid. Uh, as he comments, lactic acid, uh, lactobacillus uh, bacteria is used to create sours. So if you ever get like a, a, a fruit sour or something like that, that's what they use. If you get a ghost type beer, you know, which is kind of a salted sour uh, that they use that lactobacillus. For the sweeter beers like the milkshake IPAs, which I'm actually not the biggest fan of, surprisingly, I haven't had a good one. And, and of course, the milk stouts, and you mentioned the left-hand milk stout, mm-hmm. um, that is the lactose sugar that you find in milk, or milk sugar, they call it. Mm-hmm. So that gives it gives it a creamy taste and texture. So he called me out of my, my beer geekiness. I misspoke. So. <laughs> hey, you caught it from the, the milk stout. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I concede his and your superior knowledge of beer. I didn't know milk beer and fruit beer were things. <laughs> oh, yes. And some oh, of them yeah. are quite good. Yeah, mm-hmm. some of them are. Uh, you can have the IPAs. So uh, that does it for all the <laughs> feedback. I'm just going to lay that right out there. Uh, you can have, that's our feedback. We love to get your feedback. Uh, before we go, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including James I, Adam S, Mike M, Kelly P, and Eliza Jane F. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear what you thought of Imposter, this Star Trek Picard episode. You can let us know by commenting on our show at sqpn.com slash Trek, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Send an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. You can watch The Secrets of Star Trek in video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash starquestmedia and leave a comment there. Also, be sure to subscribe to the channel and hit the bell to get notifications of new videos. We'll be back next time. We'll be discussing the next new episode of Picard called The Bounty. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, blind faith in any institution does not make one honorable. Honorable.